Hello and welcome to Gaze Making the Podcast, where I interview LGBTQIA creators, musicians, artists, and performers. Today, we are here with Kent Whipple, a storyteller and story coach who has previously on The Moth and was the Best of Body Storyteller 2019. So I'd like to welcome Kent Whipple. Hello. How are you? I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So you are a storyteller, which means you like to tell stories. Let's just like kind of get into why did you start with storytelling? Well, it really started as a kid in my family. I come from a family of storytellers and I'm the youngest of four. And to pretty much get any attention from my parents, you'd have to tell a good story at the dinner table. So I grew up hearing amazing stories. My grandfather on my mother's side was a brilliant storyteller. And as I got older, I started writing for newspapers. I started writing for magazines. And I was always telling stories. And about 10 years ago, I got involved in doing The Moth and just had so much fun with it and went, this is what I want to do. I work for an improv theater and those folks are so brilliant and I don't know how they come up with it. And the only way I can compete is just by being able to tell stories. And so it's my, it's my artistic outlet. It's what I love. Humans connect through stories. You know, the minute we get home and someone says, how was your day? Boom, you share a story. It's, it's how we learn. And I just love it in a world that's becoming so mechanized that people sit down and listen to a story and you go to a storytelling show and it's all about listening and what a great skill to have in this day and age. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that listening is one of those things that is in, in today's world so hard to do because there's so much coming at you right on a, on a daily basis. So how, when you're, when you're crafting your stories, like obviously you're pulling from life, right? Mm. And life is a multitude. How do you like hone the story that you that you want to present at any given event? Well, quite often it's, if you're doing a storytelling show, it's based on a theme. And so you try to come up with a story of your life that's based on the theme of the show. But really, it comes from those stories that you've shared at a million dinner tables or campfires or bars or coffee shops that you've told if that's a story that you tell over and if there's a story that you tell over and over that's likely going to be a really pretty good story from stage on stage you know if it's past the dinner party test then you know you've got a decent story and so then you get you follow some techniques rules formulas i don't know what you want to call it that you know make it interesting that is better than you'd never believe one time I saw this, hold on, I forgot a part. You never, I went out one time. uh, No, you've got to have a concise and entertaining because you also have to respect if somebody's coming to a show to listen to you, then you have to honor them by sharing a good story and not getting up there and being a putz. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. It's just kind of like, echo back what you said it's it's about 
honoring the content of the story and giving it to the audience in a way that allows them to receive it in the most entertaining way. Yeah, now, whether it's a, a funny story or a, a more dramatic story or sad story, you have to honor your listener and, and honor the memory of your, your memory. So a lot of storytelling is a lot of what I teach in, in storytelling is how to go back and be in that memory. And, and we have rules in storytelling, like uh, you tell from your scars, not from your wounds. So if it was something dramatic that you went through recently, probably not yet a good story to stare at, share on stage because you're still processing it and living it. But if it's something that you went through a few years ago and, and you're pretty good with it, because when you're sharing a story, a really good storyteller is hopefully lost in the memory and helping the listener try to see it in their mind. You know, we're trying to, a storyteller, we try to give the gift of letting someone live through our, see through our eyes for seven minutes. And, and I think that's one of the reasons I love stories because it's hard to dislike someone after you've heard something from their lives, you know? If we listened to more stories, we'd be a kinder culture. I totally agree with that. Like, I think that when we when we connect on that personal level, like that intimate level of like sharing our lives with somebody, I think that it just all the other bullshit, I think, just drops away. Right. Because so much of life is bullshit. Right. Um, right. I mean, when you get down to the core of a shared human experience, then, you know, and, and it's funny, I was using this in class last week, you know, when we share a story, we all relate to it. If you're listening to a story on The Moth or at a risk show and you're listening to the story, you may not have gone through the experience that that storyteller is sharing, but you've gone through enough of a similar experience that it's relatable. And yeah. you go, oh, I. one of my favorite things after a storytelling show is having someone walk up and go, you know, I went through a similar experience when blank, 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 blank. That means you, t- you told the story well, if you get that. Yeah. But it, it's hard to dislike someone after really hearing their story. Another great, I, I don't want to speak in, in <laughs> greeting cards, but, you know, I heard a great quote just a while ago that, Stories are like hammers. They can build bridges or break kneecaps. And and it's that building bridges part that I really relate to and I really love. And I think that's the reason I do it. Nice. Yeah. I, so, I mean, you sent me uh, a couple of links of some of your, some of your performances and wouldn't you know it? The first one that I, that I that I watched was the one with Risk, where you talked about coming out to your mom, and like that was like I I think the way that you presented that there was enough like there was levity, but there was seriousness in it that I think like I felt a really strong connection. Like I'm also from the south. I also like I definitely had very interesting upbringing because of that. And but my lived experience of like coming out to my mom, I waited a really long time to actually come out to my mom. Like I was much older and about to get married. Hey, but, but like it. right, I did it. And you know, I, but the the way that you relayed kind of like how that went down, like I, I mean, you both had me laughing and in tears throughout the story. And I think that that as a as an audience member, not granted, like, you know, watching a video, but as an audience member, I think being able to evoke that 
type of emotion through your words, I think is just super, super powerful. Oh, thanks. Well, thank you. Well, being a Southerner, you'll appreciate what is it in, in Steel Magnolias when Dolly Parton says laughter through tears is one of my favorite emotions. Yes, yes. True story. I went to a high school in the town where that that was uh, filmed. <laughs> oh, no way. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So very cool. I, I've been in Shelby's house. Lucky. Yeah, Lucky. it's of not. Of course, the gays, we're going we're gonna to steer it back to Golden Girls or Steel so Magnolia. Yeah, it, it's weird, though. I, the funny thing is, you know, a, a lot of folks, Southern culture, you can say Italian culture. You can say... Because it gets relatable because if we have a strong culture, cultural background, it does become a little interrelatable. Yeah, my mom, well, as the story says, I got to come out twice. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to do this a third time. (laughs) It's pretty draining. But thanks. That was a fun story to do and a hard story to do. And talk about uh, telling from your uh, scars, not your wounds. I couldn't have done that story 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it it definitely felt like the scars were there, but that it wasn't, it wasn't bleeding. Um, yeah, no, it's, and, and, you know, I love in real life, there are funny things in dramatic moments. There are dramatic things in funny moments. And if we, if we can see them and share them, then again, it goes back to that relatability and building bridges. That's what we're trying to do as storytellers is to build bridges and, and to see each other through our, our eyes, our world. I know I keep harping on that, but I'm kind of stuck on it right now. I'm working on a book on storytelling. And that keeps coming to me is, you know, we we get to see the world through someone else's eyes. And what a gift that is to be able to sit in an audience and, and see something that is different, you know, that yeah. may not be your life. Yeah. Have you, since, you know, like I, I know that you've done something called the Gay Uncle Times, which I saw one of the the videos from that, yeah. but have you, have you used your storytelling in ways to try to bridge since, you know, being queer in America, uh, being queer anywhere in the world currently is difficult, right? Have you used any of your storytelling to kind of like try to create bridges to people who are maybe a little bit more conservative in their views? Totally. Uh, uh, totally. Number one, I loved that show, The Gay Uncle Time by Jeffrey Roberts, who created it here in Seattle. He has since moved to Tucson. I think that was the goal of his show is to show, hey, look, straight people, come see gay people in a safe environment. <laughs> and don't worry, we don't all want to sleep with you. And we don't want to. So I did one of my favorite stories that I did. It was actually from when I lived in Oklahoma or was visiting Oklahoma City, where I used to live in high school. And it's really the stories about being high in my mom's car, being scared, though, of being in Oklahoma and being gay. It's like there are people getting beaten up daily from that. So I love that story because it shows humorously that gay people, well, yeah, sometimes we smoke pot or we have smoked pot. But anybody that sees a giant yellow cat jump out of a car, a police car, I've told that in very conservative environments and, you know, when they can relax and laugh and they go, again, it's that seeing the world through someone else's eyes. So if they get to go, Oh, wow. Gay people are human too. Wow. What a concept. You know, it, 
hopefully makes it a, a safer place for everyone. I want to do a, a show that I've been thinking about a lot for older gay folks called Six Over 60. Okay. Because I remember as a young gay boy listening to these, I don't mean this in a derogatory or crass way, but old queens sit and, and share their stories in bars. And these are the folks that paved the way that are created the freedoms that gay folks in the U.S. are now enjoying. And hearing some of the struggles and, and some of the things that things people went through, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was beaten up for holding my boyfriend's hand in downtown Santa Fe. Uh, we got beat up because we were holding, had the audacity of holding hands. Yeah. But to share a story about that and the emotion that's feeling, hopefully if somebody who hasn't really liked gay people realizes, oh, well, dad, nobody should be beaten up for holding hands. Then, then it helps make the world a better place for everyone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I remember it's so funny because I was telling a friend about this the other day. I remember the same boyfriend, we were holding hands walking in the street and someone drove by and yelled out, fags. And my only thought was, really? That's all you got? That's so original, dude. I haven't heard that a million fucking times before. That's all you got. And so then if somebody hears that, a straight guy hears that and they have done that and they realize how foolish that they looked or how unkind they looked, then stories help change things. Stories make it better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have that happening here in Seattle. So it's not like isolated to more conservative areas. We definitely like get that on the hill. So yeah, I think that I think that using stories to to help bridge that gap, I think is is great. I would love to to see that six over sixty Thanks. show. If you need help with any of it, let me know. Oh, um, thank you. I will absolutely. I, like that sounds like a kind of project I could get behind. Um, well, I just think there are stories that need to be heard. And um, my old roommate, I'm, I'm hope I'm not going too far off topic. But my mm-hmm. old roommate and best friend Jeff we were talking one day about the AIDS crisis and we're both gay guys in our fifties who lived through the AIDS crisis. And I remember, I remember uh, my 23rd year going to three funerals on, on my birthday, one day, one day, three funerals. Wow. And Jeff was talking about, you know, this younger friend of his who just didn't even know the stories of the AIDS crisis. And I'm like, stories that need to be heard. Yeah. Those are stories that need to be heard. So that's what inspired me to actually start thinking about the show and to, to do this show, because I do think a lot of younger gay folks have heard of, you know, the AIDS crisis, but don't really know what it was like. And God know what? I don't want them to have to live through that time or that type of time and trauma, even though we are, ironically, you know, somebody was talking about the pandemic and I'm like, mm, yeah, first time, huh? Right. This is my second one. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, another. I, I definitely was a, a, a baby gay during the AIDS crisis. So a little bit removed from it, but like, you know, it definitely like had an impact for, for me. So we, we were locking ourselves up against, we're locking ourselves to churches, to government buildings. 
And my God, people were throwing the ashes of their loved ones onto the White House lawn just to get heard. And not a lot of people remember that. And again, I don't want anybody to have to live through that. But I think they need to hear the stories of what it was like just because if if they listened, you know, so it's so funny. I was sitting there thinking a, a Republican administration that's ignoring Dr. Fauci. Boy, oh boy, have I already gone through this. Um, yep. Sorry, I've really gone off topic. Um, no. But it, it leads me back to the stories. There were so, so many things that happened and so many people's lives changed. And so many young folks... Uh, I, I was going to say young men, but there were many young women that died too. But even my stepdad once said to me, he was, step, he was a World War II veteran. And he goes, you know, he goes, it's kind of weird for you guys because it's like for us in World War II and how many of our buddies we lost. And, and you lost a lot of your buddies. And I'm like, wow, Bern. Bernie was his name. Good catch. Pretty observant. And uh, Anyway. So that's why I want to do six over 60. The yeah. six, six storytellers. And so when we do, we'll let the audience know when it's happening so they can okay. come and see it. Yeah, definitely. And anything I can do to help. If Thank you. you. Lighting, sound, whatever. Um, I'll take I, you up on it. All right. Because I definitely think that's a project that needs to happen. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So let's let's move on to a slightly more upbeat topic. Just cutting, yeah, Sorry. You know, no, no, no. It's, it, you know, the conversations go where they go. And, and that's why I like doing this, right? But so. And it, it is a part of gay history in America. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, gay, gay artists. I mean, so many gay artists, too. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we lost. Gay some... people in the arts? I'm shocked, I say. Shocked. Oh, my gosh. What would art be without, without us? <laughs> it would be boring. Funny. Yeah, and a lot less aesthetic. But let's talk about body storytelling because what you know, what what do queer people like more than art? Sex and, and sex and art, <laughs> right? Yep. So, body storytelling is a show uh, by Dixie Della Tour, if yes. I remember correctly, where people are invited, and it's not just professional storytellers; it's anyone who has a story they'd like to tell to tell naughty stories or body stories stories about sex and i hear actually you told me uh that you did win best of body storyteller 2019 so i'd love to hear the story of that well number one dixie is a very dear friend and she's so funny and i tease her about the show because i said it's like the moth's really naughty sister and she does a wonderful job coaching folks who've a lot of folks who's never been on stage and never shared stories before and I've, I've told, I've been on it four or five times, but I think the story that, that I got one for was called Gay Camping, because I told the story about falling in love with the guy that I met up at the gay campground here, here in Washington. TRC? TRC, exactly. Nice. And I, 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 we connected, but we didn't hook up. We didn't have sex. We were romantic. And the night, before, well, I thought the night we were we were going to hook up, he had to take care of a really drunk friend, took him back to his campsite and went to bed. Well, that night, while I was sleeping, I uh, turned and I caught my penis in my zipper of my sleeping bag. <laughs> and then really, 
after an injury like that, who wants to hook up with someone? But that was the story. But I had so much fun with that story. And body audiences are so giving and so loving. And so every time I said gay camping, I, I, I had to have them say it with me. So I made it very participatory. And I said, you know, gay camping, it's like like real camping only much more comfortable with better food and a lot more throw pillows. <laughs> uh, that's and my, lots my of disco. Oh, hey. <laughs> hey. And I have a, a little uh, posse that I, we, I go up with camping. And, oh, we have so much fun. But that was the, the body storytelling. But I've had fun with that. And Dixie just understands story. She gets it. We geek out and have storytelling Sundays where we geek about story concepts we get coffee and we're both early risers. So we'll get our coffee. I'll sit on my patio. I don't know quite where she sits. And we'll just start geeking about different. Did you hear? Did you listen to the mop this week? What do you think of this? I thought like, bah, 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 bah. and we just have a blast because we're both story geeks. Have you, did you read that article about sharing stories? And so we have a lot of fun and that, show if you ever have a chance to go see that go have a show because she also always has a musician and she also shakes her bosom so how could you go wrong and gay boys gay boys love bosom yeah true story yeah i definitely like i've i've gone once when it was at rebar before they shut down and it was just such a fun experience like my coworker had invited me knowing full well that it was like something that i would say yes to and uh, yeah we just like we had such a good time i was basically me her and her husband though not husband at the time fiance at the time and we just we went to rebar and it was such a fun time we all got drunk it was great though so, the fun thing is you 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 hear stories that are of a more naughty nature mm-hmm. that you may not hear and that you get to live an experience that you may not do yourself but go oh okay yep. like i i listened to a storyteller who was really into the whole puppy lifestyle mm-hmm. which is completely new and different to me and i was like Okay, now I get it. That's why they like that. After hearing the story, now I get to be a little more understanding and relatable and and appreciative of something that's out of my safety zone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the time that I went, it was mostly like straight people. So that was, you know, novel to me. <laughs> so you got to know what get straight sex was like. Exactly. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think so body storytelling is both a podcast as well as live show, correct? Correct. Correct. And, and some people just so they know B-A-W-D-Y, body. Oh, yes. Some people think it's B-O-D-Y, body, like a body old time. Yes. Um, I And I will put links to everything in the show notes so that people can find stuff. Yeah, because I like to do that just, you know. I like to to promote the people who are the people and the things that people are doing. Well, and she has been so uh, Dixie and Body has been so good in promoting gay artists. A lot of gay artists. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they didn't she start off as like mostly focusing on LGBTQ artists. I don't know, but that wouldn't surprise me. She does live in the Bay Area, 
and not that everybody in the Bay Area is gay. Boy, did I just do my own stereotype. <laughs> well, you know, the gays in San Francisco, all the gays down there. But yes, she and almost always she has, in the shows that I've done, there's always been, well, I guess I was going to say there's always at least one queer artist, but I'm like, oh yeah, well, I'm in it. <laughs> Other than me, there's right. always been one additional queer artist. So let's see. There's other things that I wanted to ask you about. So beyond being a storyteller, you're also a story coach. So you teach classes at Unexpected Productions, which is I used to, well, I do improv there, haven't in a while because of COVID. And I also like helped out with tech stuff there. I'm just kind of like, I think I did one of your shows, like uh, lit one of your shows at one point. Could you just talk about like what your classes are like at UP? Yeah, well, what we do is we just get down and we geek about story and learn the basics of storytelling. But it's more what I try to teach is the skills to be free enough to share a story. Because it's so funny, everybody comes in and almost everyone in my classes, I don't know if I have any stories that will be worth listening to. And then by the showcase, I'm like, shut up what the fuck were you thinking listen to that brilliant story and the audience is just eat it up we have so we have a showcase this weekend that i promised everyone that i, I taught three classes on zoom during mm -hmm. the pandemic and i promised them all back when we could open up that we would do an, a live showcase and so we had a rehearsal that last weekend and it was so neat to see the folks that i got to know online um and see them share their story on stage, which is very different than, than storytelling online, both good and bad. I mean, there were some, there's great storytelling shows that take place on Zoom that mm -hmm. are intimate and gorgeous. And so seeing them develop the skill set of connecting with audience. And then my favorite part of teaching storytelling is seeing people develop the confidence to go up there and share the story. And, and feel so comfortable in their skin that they're sharing an intimate moment of their lives with strangers sitting in the dark and having a ball doing it. Nice. And so we study story structure. We study narrative description versus scenic detail, which are the nuts and bolts of, of how to drive a story or advance or color, if you remember it from improv classes, you're yep. advancing in color. And then we learn some different techniques. But then to just see people who aren't storytellers normally. But then what I love even more are some of my students have gone on and have been on the moth, have been in risk, are doing shows. One of my students created her own storytelling company now. She got into it so much that she now teaches storytelling. And that is the greatest joy for me. That means, okay, if I can share this passion, then that's that's why I'm here. And that was Melissa, right? That was Melissa. Yeah. Shout out to Melissa Reeves and her, her company story fruition. Um, and we'll, we'll also drop a link good. to all of this. <laughs> but in, in this fall, I'm doing a show on PBS called stories from the stage. And out of the, the eight storytellers that they picked, three of them are my students. Oh, nice. Nice. And, that makes me really, really proud. You know, Jean Cocteau used to say, when my friends succeed, I succeed with them. And every time I see them up there, I'm like, yeah, good. 
go out, teach the gospel, teach the gospel, teach storytelling. Because nice. again, I think the world is a better place when we share our stories. And I know how trite that sounds, but I really mean it. It's hard to dislike someone after you've heard their story. Okay, I said it again like a third. <laughs> it's okay. I think it's- When, a, I think when, it's a, when, when, when was I redundant? When? <laughs> I think it's a fantastic message, right? Connect through story and the world will be a better place. I really think so. So for the PBS show, Stories from the Stage, is it like, do you know- can you talk about, like, I don't know if there's like an embargo on exactly what you can talk about, but like, what uh, yeah, is no, the... I mean, I can, I, I know that it's going to be out this fall. Mm-hmm. So they came to, they were doing cities, um, cities that had PBS stations in them. And Seattle, I think was the last online show that they did. Okay. So they, they recorded us sharing this story and it was really wild and, and I felt really famous because it was like TV and we had producers there that were were watching it and they were so lovely and supportive. But, you know, the suits were there as well as that. And, and I was amazed at what they could do on an iPhone. Hmm. They, the iPhone became a TV camera. Nice. I mean, and they have all this stuff that's good enough to create something that is going to be on PBS. Nice. So it was really neat to share the story. And I, I shared a s- story that I took a class with someone about how t- to share a story of you being a bad guy. Okay. Of when you were a bad guy. And so I really, that was in my head when I created that story. So I am can't really talk about the story yet. Yep, they course. did ask us not to do that. Um, but it was so neat. It was so cool. neat and so fun. Um, awesome. And exciting yeah. and and gay. <laughs> I could expect nothing less that it's going to be exciting and gay. So And hey, it's PBS. So they did Tales of the City. <laughs> they did do Tales of the City. So we are getting close to time. But speaking of Tales of the City, um, I hear maybe from a story that you've told previously that you might know someone famous associated with. Tales oh, you mean my my close personal friend Armistead Moffin? That's, you mean yeah. my Facebook friend? <laughs> yeah, I told this story at Gay Uncle Time about him and how much Tales of the City meant to me, and I put it on on Facebook, and he liked it. He liked it. Armistead nice. Moffin liked it, but then he was here. He was the what do you call it when you're head of the parade? Grand, Grand Marshal. Grand Marshal. He was Grand Marshal one year, and I met him and hung out with him here at the Cuff. He and his husband, Chris. And people were walking up to us, and they're like, is that Armistead Maupin? I mean, yeah, my close personal friend, Armistead Maupin. Yeah, we're like we're like this. He knows, he knows my PIN number. We're so close. <laughs> and nice. It was pretty exciting, but it, he, as a storyteller, is probably one of the greatest influences on me as a storyteller. So not that I'm nearly as good as he is or even in his league, but he inspired me. I used to not share stories about being gay. Mm -hmm. And Armistead gave me the freedom to do that, to share my story. Nobody else can share my story. I got to do it. So yeah, love him. I just love him. 
Nice. Well, I think I think that's probably a good place to to stop. Uh, Let's see. Oh. I think it's really neat that you are are giving a voice to gay artists to share their process and a and a different all the different types of gay artists. So thank you for doing that. Of course. This is an opportunity for me to talk to amazing people who do creative things. Like I I find that it's hard to find people in Seattle. I think that community is really difficult to build here and part of this is because I I need community. This is why I'm doing this. It's cuz I need I need community of artists to to inspire me and to be inspired by. So Amen. Me too. And, you know, hopefully like this will help get people to explore other forms of art that they maybe aren't used to exploring. I definitely know that storytelling is one of those things that like, I mean, I think when we were talking before the show, I specifically said, I don't think I have any stories worth telling. And so I think I need to take one of your classes. I need to look at UP's schedule for the fall. And now that I'm moving out of the suburbs back into the city, it'll be a lot easier. So great. Well, come on down. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll see me around the theater as I start to actually put in my time for the tech side of things again. I hope so. Yeah. Well, it was great talking to you and getting to know you a little bit better. And uh, just make sure I want to replug everything that I that we talked about. So one thing that we didn't mention is that you've been on the Risk podcast a number of times. So back catalog of the Risk podcast, you can go and find stories. There's the show on PBS coming out this fall, stories from the stage, as well as teaching and performing at Unexpected Productions. Um, all of that information will be able to be seen in uh, the show notes and on the website, gazemaking.com slash 105. And of course, I would not be a good podcaster if I didn't ask everyone to rate and review the show so that more people can find us because that's the thing that I need to tell people. So, and with that, thank you so much for taking your time and speaking with me, Ken. Thank you very much, Grayson. And thanks to everyone for listening. All right. See and rate the podcast. Yes, yes, please. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Gaze Making is a Party Fish Media podcast, hosted and produced by Grayson Hay. Intro and outro music by Curtis Skinner. Party Fish Media. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.